We had two awesome avatars take first and second in the fadeaway on DraftKings yesterday. 100K, 28K. Gotta love to see it. That's pretty fun. Next two days could get really, really wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm welcoming the all-star break. I'm probably with you there. Not even for basketball, just, just, you know, get a couple days. That's all. (laughs) I got golf, man. There's no days off. I want to see the new Jackass. I haven't been to a theater in years, but I want to go see the new Jackass movie. That looks fantastic. Johnny Knoxville. Let's go. Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? He's like 52 or something, but he's still out there putting his, putting his body on the line. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show ownership edition. A little bit different than usual. This is the first time we've done a showdown ownership slate, but still a lot to get into. Today's show presented by Prize Picks. As always, I'm Dave Lockwood at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D on the uh, on the social medias for those of you podcast listeners. Joined by Matt Gajeski. It's Matt underscore Gajeski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I, and Eric Lindquist at Eric Lindquist. What's up, man? How you feeling? Doing well. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that we've reached the end of the season, the end, end of the NFL season. Obviously, we have NBA. I'm doing golf. Lots of stuff to keep us tied over. But, man, it's been a really fun Wednesday crew and getting to join you guys on these shows every single week gives me something to look forward to. And, of course, just one game here this week, uh, the big one, the one that I always feel like, Maybe I'm just on an island with this, but the Super Bowl week never really is something I look forward to that much. Maybe I'm in the minority in in terms of that. It feels like everybody kind of gets enthusiastic for it. Every like there's tons of hoopla now. I'm saying that all knowing full well that I'm going to play a lot of DFS lineups. I'm going to be doing a lot of betting, but without that part of it, I just I've never been super intrigued by the Super Bowl. I'm not really either, but for me, Matt, it's a little bit different. Uh, because it's, it, it means the season is over. You know, that, that's what sucks. I love betting it, but and we talked about it on yesterday's show, like betting the Super Bowl and deciding to go, you know, three, four extra normal volume is just a, an unwise decision to begin with, but people do it anyway. So I like it. I enjoy it, but I'm kind of with Eric. It, it just, it, it symbolizes the end for me. And, and I like talking football. Yeah, me too. I, I like that we can talk some football in the offseason, with, especially with a lot of the fantasy content we do now. I think I'm kind of the opposite of you guys, and it's not even so much me individually, but you know, work in solitude over here. A lot of my friends and family do not understand the work I do. And one time a year, they get really excited for a football game. So I feel like I can relate a little bit better. All my friends are watching it and paying attention and following the storylines throughout the week. So that's fun for me. I like it when other people, you know, like get excited about a sporting event. Sure. So are you doing something big? How many people are you hanging out with? Oh, well, I'm supposed to drink that four loco if people are okay with it. We got a super <laughs> chat on. I don't know if you were on live before lock or in the chat or anything. We got a super chat and I feel like that was enough to coax it out. So How know. much? I don't remember. Eric was the host. It's like 10 bucks, 9.99. It's worth it. That's I mean, more it than the four logos like, worth. Yeah, I was going to say it pays for like six of them. Yeah, you'd have done it for free anyway. Yeah, but that was that was kind of the the motivation, so that might be the the case. But usually my buddies get together 
and watch it at somebody's place, do the whole nine, get some food, have some beers, you know, all that, which I love. Oh, send me the video. The important question is your friend who has the taser going to be in attendance. Right. Four loco followed by a quick tase. I don't know if that's going to happen. He won't tell me when that's going to happen. He's keeping that specifically in for good reason silent. So I can't avoid when it's going to happen. So being clever gaming told me just rent the new jackass at home. I haven't been to a theater in, in years, not for any reason other than, you know, I just don't wife hates going to, I don't know why, I guess I get it even before COVID. Mm-hmm. But the reason Eric, I want to do it is because it reminds me of when I was a youth name that movie. The when Utes. I was a, a Ukes? No, I don't know. No, the Utes. Why, what are you doing, Mike? Mike, Mike. Mike. Oh. Mike just Mike is that student in class that just had to come in and, and let everybody know immediately, even though the teacher is pointing at one person and saying, Oh, you tell us. I would have a fucking on that. film professor. Of course he knows. Yeah, it. no kidding. There's that. Are you familiar with my cousin Vic? I've seen it, just not not in the uh it's not in the memorable quote movie category. And trust me, I, I it's am a known big to quote time a movie quotable or two. movie. Yeah, I'm just saying it, it's been a while. So, okay. Yeah. All right. See, so around the same age. It's, it's not that far off. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been that off with it, but Matt knew it. I have no idea which <laughs> name a movie star Tom Cruise. There I don't we know go. He, I don't know what he looks like. Honestly, the off. chalk answer, the chalk answer. <laughs> yeah, that is, yes, that is like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, I know what he looks like. Wait, you know what Tom Cruise looks like? Like not if I saw him. Yes, I would know him. But like, I don't have the name and the image of his face associated in my mind. Name a movie he was in. Dude, I can't. Stop it. Stop. You're you're lying. This is not like uh, it's another one of those things where if you're like Tom Cruise is in this movie, I'd be like, okay. But for me to draw that from my memory, they're not readily accessible. Mission Impossible. I've never seen that. Top Gun. Never seen that. Days of Thunder. Never. Well, he's not going to see that. I'm, I, it's it's like a dude movie. It's it's a bro movie. Come on. Jerry Maguire. Show me mm, the money. Nope. Okay. The new reboot of the Mummy. Nope. I was just kidding. That was. A... All right. We always this... learn something new about Matt. So, <laughs> okay. What religion is Tom Cruise? He's Scientologist. Oh, he Yay! got it. Oh my dear I, God, Luffy. You know why I know that? I'm pretty sure that's from South Park. Oh yeah, <laughs> right? Isn't that is. like it wasn't yeah, that it South yeah. Park? Yeah, for sure. Probably when, multiple episodes of when Tom Cruise was in the closet. Remember? Yeah. So I, I, that was a good. That was great. Great episode. Yeah. When when it was uh, Stan, right? Stan Stan like test the highest, and they think he's <laughs> like their god. <laughs> so good. Oh, I miss old school South Park. Dude, I've been watching them lately. Oh. They're all on HBO Max. No commercials. None of that. I've just been binging South. Like the, the dog, the bounty hunter one. Oh, my God. One of the greatest. Have you not seen that one? Beth, Bear Mace. I, I, I haven't oh. seen that one. Obviously, there's there's a couple that are just like ingrained in my head. Like, obviously, the man bear pig everybody goes to. But like Super the most vivid one for me is the sea otters when they go in forward in time because he wants to get an Xbox. Cargo yeah. wants to get like the Xbox. We are the sea otters. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Love that, that episode. One. 
when he freezes, doesn't he freeze himself? Yep, cryogenically freezes himself like Austin Powers. Carmen's the greatest character of anything ever, hands down. <laughs> it's so true. He's so good. Like when I watch the episodes, I go back. I don't watch season beginning to finish. I watch all the Cartman episodes first because mm-hmm. they just can't go wrong. Incredible. Anyway, we got football to talk about. Happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Subscribe to the channel as well. And uh, if you want to join, see those badges in there. Got some nice badges, some good people, different color badges as well. Actually, it looks like mostly like the up to nine to 12 months. Got a couple other ones in there. But yeah, you get the free super chats each month, the custom emojis, the badges. And we'll always prioritize your questions and comments along with our premium Discord members. So hit that up if you want to. We'd love to have you be part of the team. But more than anything, subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up. Let's dive into it. So. Matt, I, I did things a little bit differently. You know, obviously, didn't men, didn't put st- top stacks in the in the sidebar today in the topics. We put quarterback. I put quarterbacks in there. So let's kick it off with the quarterback position. There's only two of, mo- of of these. You know, with running backs, you only have a couple that are chalky. But one thing I'm interested in, just when it comes to the quarterback position and, and talking about where they finish, what their optimal captain percentages, what their optimal flex uh, percentages. We have all of this in our ownership and our top plays tool over at Awesomeo. How much are you prioritizing quarterbacks at the captain spot for the Super Bowl? Generally, it's a spot that can go over-owned, the captain spot specifically. And I think there's a chance we see that with more casuals playing in the Super Bowl. You know, you and I do the, sh- the ownership show, or I guess the strategy show for showdown every single week. Yeah. And three, three, t- two times every single week. Yeah. And I think just with the magnitude of the game, there's a chance we see more casual money come in. And we already know just based on macro trends that the quarterback position can go over owned in the captain spot at times, which is something I want to be very cognizant as we go throughout the week. How are these quarterbacks projecting and are they better values in the flex spot? And right now it looks like that is the case. And I think there's a couple of reasons. One, neither of them are the most mobile guy. So when they hit their ceilings, they need to do so through the air. And just the way that DraftKings specifically is structured with the four points per passing touchdown, and then these receivers getting six points, and then the PPR bonus, if enough production is funneled through one receiver, there's a stronger likelihood that they end up being your optimal captain. And then you can also gain some leverage because a lot of these receivers are cheaper and a lot of them are coming with less ownership. So right now, my first read is to take a look at these guys in the flex spot rather than the captain, all things considered. If you're playing multiple lineups, you should certainly mix and match. But if you only had one, that's how I would play it. What about you, Eric? Same thing, same question. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I think that it's been something that I feel as though I'm, people have played a lot of showdowns. People in our space, people that are watching these videos generally have played a lot of showdown at this point in time. You did talk about the casual money coming in and um, I'm not sure necessarily if if anybody's looking at any data points that we aren't, but uh, what from what I see is captain ownership of quarterbacks generally is always higher than their probability of finishing there. And so utility has been a popular place for quarterbacks, not just for this week, but for pretty much every showdown slate we've been playing constantly. Now, there are the exceptions with the mobile guys where, you know, you have a Lamar Jackson. How many times does he end up optimal? A ridiculous amount of the time in games he appears on showdown in primetime games. So uh, I'm looking at quarterbacks is going to be probably primarily utility. If I am going to play them in a captain spot, just got to really play that out in your head. It's almost impossible for me not to have two, maybe three pass catchers along for the ride with these guys. 
that's the thing that you need to be building a rule in for right away. If you have the, uh, the fantasy cruncher add on, that's like maybe the first rule that goes in for this week. And sure there are paths to Matt Stafford getting a one yard touchdown, you know, just a, a QB sneak there, there are paths for things, but don't get too cute. Just kind of stay the course just because it's the Super Bowl doesn't mean you need to get way off the board. And I think that that kind of is a, a trap. A lot of casuals or even a lot of like serious DFS players, they want exposure to everything. They're playing more volume. They're adding to it. Don't be one of those people. Just stay the course, use the tools. And according to the tools, there are one, two, three, four, five. We have six guys, Matt, higher than Joe Burrow with the optimal captain probability and seven, eight, nine, and Matthew Stafford is 10th in optimal captain likelihood here. So it's a lot of them are grouped pretty closely together, but this tool the top plays tool that we always reference is super important is, is one where you have just spots where both of them are actually pulling more captain ownership than their optimal captain probability. And I don't think that's crazy, especially according to what you were saying or just a minute ago, it makes a lot of sense. And I guess if you're doing that too, like if you're, if you are captaining Burrow or Stafford, right. I I'm curious to know how you build these lineups. Cause if we're not going over that, we're not really helping anyone. So like, let's just say you want to captain Matthew Stafford, then you have to throw Cooper cup in there. I, I don't think there's been a game all year where Stafford could have been optimal and optimal captain and Cooper cup wouldn't be in that optimal lineup. That's the funny thing about the structure of this slate injury news pending. There's a couple we'll have to monitor. We don't have any value to look at, right? So you, you mentioned Stafford is number 10 in his optimal captain probability, but he still has the third highest chance of being the top scorer on the slate. And that just speaks to the tightness of salaries. If you play Matthew Stafford, and Cooper Cup, you're really going to have to make some salary-based concessions. And even when we look at some of the players that have higher optimal captain probabilities, there's players like Tyler Higby in there, assuming he plays. Tyler Boyd's higher than Matthew Stafford. That's because of the salary relief they provide. So when you are captaining Matthew Stafford, for example, you're either playing a guy like Bennett Skowronik, you're playing multiple kickers, or you're just flat out leaving Cooper Cup out. Otherwise, you're not going to be making a competitive lineup. So I actually think you can make lineups without Cup. And again, I'm not recommending this, but say you're just hell-bent on captaining Stafford. One way to do so and actually play a moderate lineup, projected lineup, is going to be to leave Cooper Cup out. It's scary. Because, For sure. And, and that's if you're hell-bent on Matthew Stafford. Captain. Right. The, the only reason I say it's scary is because I maybe I'm just completely wrong here, right? I'll throw it over to you, Eric. We can, we can keep this going. Maybe I'm wrong because it's I, I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. I haven't looked at it. I hadn't even really thought about this until we did this show, which is why it's helpful for all of us. But I, I can't think of a game where Matthew Stafford, like let's say just say all of his games were showdown slates this year. I can't think of a game where he would have been the optimal captain and Cooper Cup wasn't in the optimal. And I, I, shit, most of those games where, where Cooper Cup would have been in the optimal, he probably would have been the optimal captain if it wasn't Stafford. Uh, and if it wasn't Stafford or Cup, it, I don't know. It's just, I think you see what I'm saying here. It, it feels very unlikely. And I get what Matt's saying too, because it's almost 500,000 entries in this, in this Millie maker. But man, if Stafford's the captain and he ends up being the optimal captain, 
you're basically talking about an Odell or a Van Jefferson or a Higby if he plays. It's not impossible. It's just very unlikely. Yeah, it's very unlikely. But I will say maybe the one thing that goes towards where it could happen is if that difference in salary matters, $800. So like whenever I've talked about Matthew Stafford, who was the quarterback I was highest on the final two weeks of the season, of course, that didn't work out completely, but it, it didn't hurt because I ended up on near 100% Cooper Cup both times. You know, I, I talked about the upside of you got to play Cooper Cup in any lineup with Matt Stafford because if he achieves the ceiling, bang, you're done. But this is a little bit different for a showdown just because both guys, as Matt was saying a second ago, are 10-8, 11-6 in the flex. You play one of them in captain, that becomes 16-2 for Stafford and 17-4 for Cup, respectively. So, like, there are pads where if you play them in Stafford, you have 5,550 left. I think a lot of the time that I'm going to play Stafford in the captain, I'm probably doing it where I'm nearly maxing out my salary, and I'm probably playing a 5-1. And I know that sounds very, very specific, but I just try to play out what that game script looks like in my head, and it's just an annihilation where maybe Cooper Cup gets one touchdown catcher. Maybe, you know, he catches you know, like 11 for 150, and you just happen to get, uh, you know, a Cam Akers touchdown in the midst of it. You get maybe a Blanton or, you know, a, a Van Jefferson. There's got to be some kind of a path for that. So I think I'm going to be very specific. As I said, when I'm going to play Stafford or Burrow on the other side in the captain, it's going to have a minimum of two pass catchers, uh, probably three in most of those. And most of them are going to be on slot lineups. Wes Ritz says, return the opening kickoff prop plus 115 has hit 18 of the last 20 Super Bowls. I would just urge you to be a little cautious about that because they changed the kickoff rule in what 2017. So yeah, they now keep up to the 35 now. Yeah. And there's more incentive for touchbacks because you take it to the 25 and not the 20. So yeah, I don't know who knows, but I, I would, I wouldn't be looking back 20 years on that is all I'm saying. Anyway. Um, Matt, let me flip it to Joe Burrow then on the other side of this, right? Okay, so we want to – and the reason I mentioned Cooper Cup to begin with is because if you're captaining Stafford and you're playing Cooper Cup, um, you can still make a lineup. Like, there's just not a lot of value. It's probably going to be kind of like Eric said, maybe onslaught with, with Rams defense in there as well. Uh, a, a lot of different ways to go about it. Cooper – or Tyler Higby for sure probably get funneled into the same lineup in a lot of those as well. But uh, what do you do with the Joe Burrow at captain? He's a little easier to captain than Matthew Stafford because he doesn't have that one clear receiver. That's just far and away the number one in the offense. We, we know Chase is probably a little more dynamic in terms of talent than T Higgins, but overall their opportunity is pretty close. So you can make Joe Burrow stacks just a little bit cheaper and that's kind of reflected in a lot of our tools here, too. I'm seeing a higher optimal captain percentage for Joe Burrow compared to Matthew Stafford, even though their prices are similar. And I think that's just because when Joe Burrow has success and you're stacking him, those receivers are going to be a little bit cheaper. And you don't necessarily have one that you need to jam into your lineup. With that said, both these players do still have slightly negative leverage scores. And again, I think a lot of that comes down to price, because even when you play a Joe Burrow lineup, it, it's not like I have any less interest in Cooper Cup. You know what I mean? Like, I still want Cooper Cup in my lineup. So if I'm captaining Joe Burrow, you kind of run into the same problem. You have the very expensive captain himself. He's only 200 cheaper than Matthew Stafford. And then if you want to play Cup, I mean, good luck running out Bennett Skaronic as your flex play. <laughs> All right. That's Drop touchdown pass. I feel like we've talked about Skaronic way too much this year. 
Uh, it's my fault. I bring him up all the time. It's fine. <laughs> Where did he go to school? Notre Dame. He went to Northwestern for four years, then he grad transferred to Notre Dame. You're sick, dude. But you don't person. know who Tom Cruise is. But that's his team, too. Notre Dame's his team. So I that's know. He would have known it anyway. I went I and saw Bennett Skyronic play live at that stadium, Northwestern, called that high school stadium they call their collegiate stadium. Dude, okay, get this. Sidebar quick. I went to this Northwestern game, and I tried to get a hot dog at halftime, and they sold out. I was so mad. That's the story. Like, that's did you the, not? Did you not know how many people were coming to the game? What? <laughs> Maybe there were just a bunch of fat people that went hard. Dude, it was halftime. Yeah. It's not like this was the fourth quarter or something. It's eleven o'clock game, and I couldn't get a hot dog at halftime. And then so I, I would tried be to pissed off because, yeah. uh, like, a a ballpark or a, a football game hot dog is is essential. I came in. I went to the Eagles game a week. 15, I think, week 16 against the Giants. First thing I did, I bought two hot dogs, both for myself, brought them straight down to the seat. No doubt about it. You have to. But yeah, see, Matt, I got them at the you. beginning of the game. Rookie move by you. Really? By, by me? No, 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 no. By Matt Kajewski. Waiting till halftime? Waiting till halftime when everybody is out there, everybody's stampeding the concession stand. Well, here's the thing, Eric. I had so many hot dogs at the tailgate ahead of time, and I needed a little bit of time to cool down. I want to know if you just went to like one concession stand or just one guy carrying the, the tub around his chest, or did you actually scout out the, the stadium? The stadium is extremely small. Like I'm not kidding. It's the size of some high school stadiums in Texas. So you, you're not dealing with a lot of offerings. I think there's probably like a couple thousand people that get into that game. But even so, like my high school never sold out of hot dogs. Or why is my high school more prepared than Northwestern for <laughs> football? I don't know. I also love that point. you call him by his full name, Bennett Skoranek, and not Ben Skoranek. That's why that's like a, an old reflex from college football DFS. He, I don't know whatever happened when he became Ben in the pros, got older, people stopped calling him by his full name. But in college DFS, he was Bennett Skoranek. You're not changing anything. It's just a reflex. I got you. I, I, I think with Burrow, I don't really want to captain him. I, I've been on the record saying this. I, obviously, if you're playing a lot of lineups, you're going to have some Burrow at captain. But I, I've been on the record saying, Eric, that I, I think this could be a tough day for him. And I know everyone wants the dog to win. I get it. Everyone's pulling for Joe Burrow. He's cool, right? I get it. But he was sacked the most in the league this year. He sacked nine times against Tennessee. He tied for a playoff uh, record. Well, not the record you want. We all know this, right? I don't have to rehash it anymore. This is a tough matchup with this defensive line and, and, and these pass rushers for the Rams. I think they can give him a lot of trouble. So I'm just not really that enamored with Joe Burrow at captain. Maybe I end up being totally wrong and he's just slinging it everywhere and Higgins and Chase and Boyd, you know, all of them or two or three of them have big games. But I have some real reservations about wanting to prioritize Joe Burrow this week. Yeah, PFF's first rated defense in the Rams. Yeah, it could be problematic for sure. I will say one thing that I think bodes well, and, and I haven't really heard it discussed. I think this game being played in Inglewood, California, playing in a dome, playing in a, a perfect atmosphere for a track meet probably bodes well for the Bengals offense a little bit more than what Kansas City was, than Cincinnati was. So I do think, you know, you get Jamar Chase, you get T Higgins, you get this receiving core out there. I think that they could definitely still get some stuff to happen. I'm probably a little bit higher 
on the Bengals ability to, to air it out than you are just because of the environment. Now, if it were another cold day in Arrowhead, if it were brutal in Cincinnati, you know, as much as that would be a good thing for home field advantage in Cincinnati, I, I just think this is actually a great game environment for an offense built the way that the Bengals are. So uh, I do definitely see paths, of course, for a, a pass rush. You've got some unbelievable guys on the, on the Ram side of the football. Aaron Donald's pretty good. Uh, I would say that for sure. He could be a problem for anybody, any given day in any atmosphere, but uh, I do feel pretty good about the Bengals in this game environment still to be able to move the ball a little bit more than you do. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I agree. And uh, we all know the mismatch between the Rams defensive line and Cincinnati's offensive line, but I don't think we can discount how bad the Rams secondary has been at times this year. I know they have, they have Jalen Ramsey and 38 year old two year retired Eric Weddle has come back and actually played well, led the team in tackles their most recent game. But the Rams have allowed the second most explosive pass plays in the NFL. Cincinnati's allowed the fourth most explosive pass plays. And that's defined as a play that goes 20 yards or more downfield. So you have two teams in the bottom five of this metric. You could easily see fireworks in this eclipsing the total. So I'm, I'm kind of with Eric. I bet the over in this game personally. Okay. Yeah, I like the under. So we're definitely on different sides of this one. I see like a you know, 27 to 20 type game or something like that. I forget what my prediction was. Yes. It might've been 27, 13, as a matter of fact, or 14, no, 27, 17. I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, these are, these Super Bowls are hard to predict in that sense. A lot of the, the good offenses come in and you just see a defensive struggle. Um, but it's possible. You're, it's also possible, Matt. And, and I'm not trying to run through like every possible iteration of what could happen but i think it's also possible that the rams defense gets there and burrow and the pass catchers get there as well just in the sense that if they are still getting to him and and and, and racking up sacks maybe strip sack maybe creating some pressure forcing some ill-advised passes that turn into an interception maybe a pick six and then he has to throw the ball or he still is able to get some throws off but is also under pressure a lot like, i think that is one way this game could go for sure yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the pick six. You know, like sacks are huge negative plays. Yeah. They swing the balance of field position. You take a bad sack, you punt and give the Rams solid field position, boom, and a quick score. That's not necessarily bad for Burrow. He's then in negative game script, presumably throwing more and taking more shots himself. So I, the sacks, I, I don't necessarily view them as a bad thing for the game overall, as long as Burrow doesn't get hurt. Who would you say at running back? Oh, and by the way, free content today on the site, NBA ownership projections. That's always a fun one, right? That's always one of the best ones. We, I feel like once in a while, we got to throw out the boom bust tool free so people can see that. And the, you know, the top, top plays or top stacks for other sports. So people can get a glimpse into to how powerful those tools really are. Oh, we have the top golfers tool. There you go. That's actually a phenomenal one that is essentially the same thing. All right, so check that out. Totally free. You got locked tomorrow, live before lock tonight. Are you on that with Ben at eight? Uh, I, I, so I normally, almost every single week I am. Uh, this week I did Tuesday, so Jason could come in on Wednesday. So we flip-flopped this week. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. NHL player rankings, also free. So good stuff today. Completely free over at awesomeo.com. You don't need an account. Uh, if you want to sign up, though, awesomeo.com slash join. You can do a week, a month, a year if you want to make a legitimate investment. All of our tools, ownership projections, player projections, the boom bust tool, top stacks tool, lineup builder, 
all of which were built by Osmo himself. You got the Fantasy Cruncher add-on if you want to jump on board there. You can do one sport. You can do every sport. Uh, no matter how you want to play it, no matter what style, how serious you are, what your budget is, we got something for everybody. Awesome.com slash join. And if you use the promo code green flag, want to get into some NASCAR action, uh, every race basically for $2, $70 for the entire NASCAR season. If you go to awesome.com slash promos, you don't even have to type it in. You could just click it uh, and you'll get locked in for everything NASCAR for the entire year. It's a solid deal ownership, the top driver's tool, project driver projections, everything on the site for NASCAR as well, if you're looking to get into that. Anyway, awesome.com slash join or slash promos if you want to get in on that green flag promo running through the 20th of February. All right, Matt, what are we doing at running back here? The obvious answer is you're going to have some Cam Akers and you're going to have some uh, Joe Mixon, both of them coming in around 40% projected ownership on DraftKings at least. I really want to get into what we want to do with some of the lesser known options, or if we want anything to do with them at all, P Ryan, Michelle, uh, Daryl Henderson, likely returning. It gets really ugly behind the two top dogs for both teams. Yeah, it does. And I think for the elite backs, we'll call them that the, the premier backs on this slate, Cam makers has to be the guy that draws a lot of interest here. And it's mainly because of price. You know, when you look at a guy like Joe Mixon, at 9,600 in the flex. If you play Joe Mixon, you're going to be making a concession. You're either not playing Cooper Cup or one of the quarterbacks more than likely, unless you punt off somewhere. So going down to a guy like Cam Akers just allows you to have a better roster construction overall. And that's before we even consider some of the game environment factors. They're a team that's favored one Cam Akers. Now he hasn't been efficient, but he has had the workload. And Last week, I think there's a couple of reasons it wasn't quite as, as good as we've seen in the past. He got banged up in the game. He had the two previous fumbles. McVay even spoke about wanting to get Sony Michelle out there. But Michelle was just as inefficient as Akers. So a guy they prioritize rushing back for this kind of game, I don't really see them going away from him in a meaningful way. So it's kind of that factor of price and workload for a team that's favored that makes Cam Akers the preferred play for me in a vacuum over a guy like Joe Mixon, even though we know the volume is very consistent for Mixon. What about you, Eric, when it comes to any of these? For what it's worth, too, Sean McVay said Daryl Henderson has a good chance to play. I don't know what any of this means at this point. You still have Sonny Michelle. Cam Akers took over, you know, usurped Sonny Michelle in the matter of seven days after returning from an Achilles rupture that, you know, was he was five and a half months removed from. So it's really tough to say what's going on here as far as who gets worked in behind Cam Akers in the Super Bowl, biggest game of their lives. Yeah, biggest game of their lives. I do think, you know, maybe Daryl Henderson gets a, a carry or two, maybe. Um, but I, I really don't see any reason that we need to be clicking on that name, 1600. You know, if you're trying to save money and, and get down here to the bottom, you've got Samaj P. Ryan, who uh, it's weird to say. I mean, at least there's a number two and there's a path where, you know, if something happens to Joe Mixon, you have the opportunity to have an entire workload where the absence of one of these guys or Cam Akers or Sony Michelle doesn't guarantee a whole heck of a lot still for Daryl Henderson. Um, I feel like Cam Akers, though, uh, as you said, there's a number of things that led into it last week or uh, two weeks ago now where I just didn't feel that enthusiastic about it. it only played 39% of the offensive snaps coming off of 81% that he played against Tampa Bay in that divisional round. So I, I think that you're looking at about a 50, 50, maybe 65, 35, but so uh, I'm maybe in the camp where I just think Sony Michelle is a guy that I want to be over invested to 48%. Yeah. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. 
That's all right. I've been standing up for this guy forever. I mean, he's just better than people expect him to be. But if you look at our tools right now, yeah, there's a little bit of negative leverage going towards him. Utility ownership, 4.8%. Utility optimal, 0.5%. But that's assuming, you know, that we just understand exactly what's going through McVay's head here and that we completely understand what this workload and this split is going to be. And I don't think we completely do. And I don't think, you know, Sonny Michelle being ineffective. I mean, everybody's was pretty ineffective running it against San Francisco towards the end of the season. Um, I, I feel all right kind of investing and over-investing in uh, Sony Michelle. Daryl Henderson, kind of a write-off for me for this entire game. But Cam Akers, he should be more popular than than Sony Michelle. But as a result, I think I'm just going to be a little bit lighter there and just heavier on Sony Michelle. Let me ask you this, though. And Matt, we'll get your opinion here, too. The, I think it's a little problematic that Sony Michelle and Akers are so close in price. Now, granted, I fully understand last game, Sonny Michelle was used far more than he was against the Tampa Bay Bucks in that divisional round game, right? Get, I get it. Um, do you think they should be that close in price, though? I mean, what are they, $1,400 separated? But here's the beautiful thing about them being closer in price is that drive you're getting more ownership of the ownership point. discount because For if he sure, was 2400 yeah. I would probably be having a different conversation because we see him 15%. We'd see 18% because he'd be more intriguing than P Ryan. He'd be more intriguing than, you know, trying to take any kind of an ancillary shot on, on a Ben Skoranek. Yeah. I wanted to name drop him one more time. Bennett Skoranek, uh, <laughs> Sony, Michelle, 5k, 1400 difference. I mean, if you're trying to win a million dollars, if you're playing in a massive tournament and you're nearly zeroed out and you're at cam acres, just remove cam acres, plug in Sony, Michelle. There are a lot of paths where, a guy at 5% and a dude who's at 32% where that still can work out for you. Now, of course, if you had to tell me if I had to make a lineup to save my life, of course I'm playing Cam Akers over Sony Michelle, but that's not how this works. We have to be able to look at the entire game and, and be willing to embrace some of that risk. No risk it, no biscuits. So like I'm, I have sure. to be getting to a little bit more Sony Michelle and I apologize to everybody for what I just said there. So I get it. I mean, I, I get it. it I guess at this point, Matt, you're not getting Michelle as a value, but you are getting him at a massive ownership discount. And, and that's basically the, the recipe here if you're trying to get to someone like that. Yeah, I think so. And it all depends what you think the workload is, to be honest with, with you. And I don't have the answer. Nobody does except Sean McVay. What you're do making, you think? I personally think Cam Akers is going to handle more of the work than Sony Michelle. Okay. I don't know. I'm not going to give you a specific percentage. Eric said like 65, 35. See, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out numbers. I, I, last week, we saw 57% for Sony Michelle and 39% or 37% for Cam Akers, depending on where you're looking. And like, legitimately, I understand that Cam Akers is the guy that's probably the priority if he's healthy coming off of two weeks and everything else. But we just saw Sony Michelle get more of the backfield coming off of a two fumble game in Tampa Bay for Akers. We saw that be flat out, period, what it was. Sony Michelle saw more of the workload, and yet we're projecting one guy to be one-sixth of the ownership. And for me, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you didn't let me finish. Uh, okay, Cam Akers got hurt in the game. And I'm, not saying, so blunt. and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying we don't know. And I, I said you were guessing at the ownership. I was about to say after that, I would be guessing too. But if I had to guess, because of the Akers injury, I would think he sees more of the work. Okay. You know what else I wonder about too? And, and yeah, Michelle played what? Where is it? 
57% of snaps last week to Akers, or two weeks ago to Akers, 39. Do wonder, two weeks removed now, a little bit more time to rest for Akers, who was dealing with an injury. Maybe that plays into this as well. I don't know. But I think you're on to something, Eric. If Sony Michelle really is just virtually unowned, you have to just eat that negative leverage and say, all right, what if, what if he does touch the ball 15 times in the Super Bowl and Cam Akers uh, is way, way higher owned than him? It makes sense. It does. I, I will say, though, I'm just really underwhelmed by a Samaj P. Ryan or someone like that. I get it. He's, he's inexpensive. I think I said it on the show with you guys last week that if he gets or if, if any, if the only way anything happens is if he has like a 40 yard touchdown reception and he had a 41 yard touchdown reception, <laughs> which is not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again. Uh, and he's still at 13, which was fine, you know, but no carries four targets. I, I just really can't get excited about a Samaj P Ryan, Eric, maybe, maybe I should be, but in the Super Bowl, Mixon's already a fine pass catching back. This this, this feels like a, a very tricky spot to me. I have a tough time believing P. Ryan's going to break off another huge touchdown. And you're basically hoping that he gets there on one of like three opportunities max. Yeah, he played 25% of the offensive snaps there in the last game, which is higher allotment than we've seen from, from some of these spots. I mean, 21, 22% we saw against Vegas and Tennessee in their first two games of the playoffs. Like I, I get it. If you want to take a couple shots there, I can't just say I'm going to embrace all the Sony Michelle and not like a guy who's truly the number two right behind it. I just said that I would like him more than I would play Daryl Henderson kind of in that same ballpark of price. You know, maybe if you're zeroing it out a little bit more that $800 goes to work somewhere and uh, you know, you go to Henderson and you land there, but I doubt it. Um, I'm, I'm thinking P Ryan is just kind of a, it could happen. We literally just saw it happen. That's the case for it, but that's the only case for it. There's no other reason that you need even be uh, trying to get that cute. If you're making 20 lineups, 30 lineups. Now, if you're making 150, I think you do want to have some contingencies where you get to some P Ryan, something Joe Mixon, if he gets dinged up the way the cam makers gets dinged up and it becomes more of a 50, 50, just for one game only for a sample size, you can build it out that way. But to play him in like 7% of your lineups feels a little bit like a fool errand, fool's errand there. Okay. I, you know, they say, Matt, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. And I don't know, this isn't technically the same place, but it kind of has that feeling that P Ryan doing this in back-to-back -back weeks would be crazy. That's not the kind of logic that we usually employ here on the awesome broadcast programs, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the guy has seven touches over the last three games. Now, <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Data-driven. There it is. A I mean, that of kind of is data-driven when you think about it. It's better. A lot of them come in the past game, but still, I the only the only potential argument you can make is, like, is that one touch enough at his price? Because it's so tight in pricing and we don't have right. alternatives. So it, it's not even so much like, do I need P Ryan to score a big touchdown? But if he catches like a 10 yard pass, get you two PPR points. Is that better than a roster construction that's built evenly across the board? And I don't have the answer for that. Sometimes we, we see these in other sports that doesn't happen so much in football, but I mean, he's not even that cheap. It's not like we're talking about the minimum. You got to pay a little bit for P Ryan. So for me, I'm, I think I'm almost fully out. Me too. Brandon McDonald. Uh, 
I love cross-sport bets for the Super Bowl. Absolutely love them. I personally stick with the NBA and NFL. That's where I usually, uh, that's, that's my, that's my wheelhouse. So I don't know enough about PGA, but I don't know, Eric, you'll be on the pod on. I don't even want you to answer because aren't you going to be, are you going to be on the prop show with me on, on Friday? Uh, I'll double check. Maybe, maybe I am. I'm not okay. positive. All I know is that I, uh, the last two weeks I've gone on Aton's radio show and we've talked a lot of these Super Bowl and PGA crossover props. Number one, don't lock your money in with anything attached to the masters. Do not lock your money up for two months waiting for the Horrible masters. Idea. Just, just for the heck of it. Like that just sounds awful. So don't, don't do that. Number two, Justin Thomas going up against Mixon plus plus one eighty there. I don't care about Justin Tom Thomas being a slow starter. There's three par fives that are just super, super easy and a gettable par four here. Uh, I don't care how slow of a starter he is Mixon, I don't know what that, I mean, we've seen more of a workload for, in terms of catching, uh, catching the football here for Joe Mixon of late. Um, but I, I think that that's more of a, a stay away for me here in this spot. Uh, as much as I want to try to get involved in some of them, you want to pick and choose your spots. Now, Matt Stafford rushing yards, the, the prop sitting at five and a half, and you can get, uh, I believe it was Hideki, one of, either Hideki or John Rom birdies. I definitely want to be smashing the over on the birdies for that one. So if you can find some value there, I like that one a little bit more than the Mixon and JT one. Okay. Let's talk about some wide receivers. We're actually taking a pretty good approach to this show. You always wonder, like, with a showdown site, how many showdown pieces of content can you do before it starts becoming repetitive? <laughs> but I think this is a, is a good way to do it. I also think it's a good idea to sign up at Prize Picks because you get a free month of Awesome o Plus Platinum when you do it. I mean, I, I should just honestly end the read there. I won't because they're a sponsor and because I owe that to them and because it's actually a really cool platform. But I could. I could say you get a $90 Awesome o Plus Platinum for the entire month subscription. Everything included. All of the tools I talked about earlier. When you sign up at prizepicks.com or in the app store, download it in the Google play store, wherever that's it. That's it. Or I could be like, Hey, do that. And also use the promo code awesome. to get a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus. Then you'd say, Lava, you really should stop because what else can be said? I know. Uh, but if I were to continue, I would say, well, prize picks is a player daily player prop based platform where you take the over or the under no juice attached to either side. You build lineups that way. And unlike a traditional book where if you hit four or five legs, you win nothing. You still two X your money at prize picks. You still make money back. If you hit three of five, you can up to 10 X your, your entry. If you hit five of five, if you do a four uh, prop power play lineup, you hit all four, you 10 exit. You got all of the sports you could possibly fathom over at prize picks. Uh, and You've got all of our player prop tools free at Awesomeo. You have Odd Shopper, which is the best place out there to shop odds and find the best expected win rates free at oddshopper.com. And you get a free month and you get up to $100 when you sign up and deposit for the first time using the promo code Awesome. I mean, what else needs to be said? I'm serious about that. Check it out, prizepicks.com. Or download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever it is you prefer and uh, get it going. All right, boys, wide receiver. Matt, Cooper Cup. I really just want to know how much you plan on intend on throwing him in the captain spot at his current ownership. I know sometimes you like to get a little different, a little crazy. Yeah, I definitely do like to get crazy in the captain spot at times, but 
The one thing I want to highlight with Cooper Cup is he's projected to be 17.5% owned in the captain spot specifically right now. We have him with a 41% chance of being the top overall scorer. So there's a very slight negative leverage score here, but like that number is just crazy to me. If he actually has a 41% chance of being the top scorer, I, I think there are just some constructions where you build Cooper Cup as your captain and then you choose other ways to get different. Maybe you build for a really low scoring game environment, leave out Stafford because, you know, like a raw touchdown score from, from Cooper Cup or PPR volume could outscore him. Maybe there's some cheaper guys that just make Stafford not in the optimal lineup. So I do want to play cup in the captain spot when I am doing so. I want to make sure specifically that I am getting very different. It's just crazy to see that number, like a 41% chance of being the top overall scorer is getting close to like that Lamar Jackson tier that Eric mentioned earlier. And he's a receiver. Yeah. I, if you had to guess of every game, and I don't know the answer to this. I wish I looked it up, but it's time consuming. Of every game that the Rams have played this year, how many times do you think, just off the top of your head, Eric, Cooper Cup was the top overall scorer? I'd probably say 77% of the time. Really? So yeah, over probably. three quarters of the time. Well, think about it. I mean, we haven't seen, we've seen a three-headed, mo- well, a two-headed monster. No, no, Darryl top Henderson. score for the game. Oh, top score for the game. Yeah, because okay. I'm talking if it were a showdown slate. 65% of the time. I don't know if you're right or wrong, but it's just crazy. That- it, sounds, it sounds about right. And just that I'm entertaining that thought and just playing it out. Because like nuts. Matt Stafford, Odell Beckham, obviously in the playoffs here. If we're counting, if we're counting the playoffs here as well, we saw a game where, Odell Beckham worked his way into that. Now, of course, the salary-based aspect of this is where you're looking at him not, you know, just being able to be the plug and play. 41% of the time, top scorer, but most of the time that's going to end up in a utility optimal because we have uh, his ownership at 17.4% in the captain ownership right now, optimal just 13.5% because he definitely puts some stress on the rest of your lineup you lose access to multiple pieces of Higgins, Chase, uh, Boyd, Mixon uh, from the Cincinnati side here. You're going to have to play one and struggle to play two in some cases if you're going to play Matt Stafford or another quarterback in that lineup as well. It just becomes a question of like, for me, how do I build lineups that are just going to look a lot different with Cooper Cup as, as a captain optimal? Now, I don't think there's any problem whatsoever in playing Cooper Cup without Matt Stafford. PPR, there are paths where, you know, I, I said that 11 catches are for 150 for Cooper Cup doesn't necessarily bring Matt Stafford along for the ride. Plus, they're 11 6 and 10 8, respectively, pretty expensive. So I think that's really the fun part about building this is finding those paths where you play Stafford without Cup. Uh, that seems a little bit more rare to me than playing Cup without Stafford, but uh, definitely no doubt about it. You need to, if you're playing any allotment of lineups, have Cooper Cup in the captain a number of times because his potential to just blow up in any given spot, especially against the Cincinnati defense, I just do not believe in, uh, is substantial. Michael Durbin, welcome to Team Awesome, my brother. Nice looking badge you got there. Matt, I'm glad Eric brought that up. That This is the most important thing. If you're talking Yahoo or FanDuel, if you're if you're talking about Cooper cop where you get one and a half X, the fantasy points, but you don't pay any additional salary. There's no premium on his salary. It's just, 
I won't say it's a no-brainer because you can still do things differently, and he's not guaranteed to be the top play. But when you look at that and you see his top play probability, optimal captain probability doesn't matter when it when you're not factoring in the salaries. Yeah, you're. At, <clears throat> excuse me, you're absolutely right. So to some degree, you still have to consider Cup like his raw price because he is still very expensive. But you're right about the mechanics of that game being different. So. On FanDuel, I think he's a lot more palatable there. It's just a completely different pricing structure. There are players in more value spots. I think the best way to phrase it is it's just a little more open than DraftKings, which is super restrictive right now. So Captain and Cup on FanDuel, no problem with that whatsoever. I actually think it's easier. We built some Yahoo lineups yesterday at the end of the show. And you know, I essentially, at the end of it, was, was building lineups with $17 left over, which is insane, but just to get different, just to get different, you know, uh, because otherwise you can do, I won't say whatever you want. You can't just run down the list of the top five price players, but you can get pretty damn close to that. So I, Eric, it's just an entirely different world going from DraftKings to FanDuel. So if we're talking about, Oh, you gotta be careful, you know, do things differently. Cooper cup optimal captain is, is a lot lower on DraftKings than is on FanDuel. That's because Cooper Cup could still be the top scorer and not be close to the optimal captain, just based on what you're allowed to get to or what you're not allowed to get to when you're paying a, such a premium for him in the captain spot. That's all. It's a little bit your perception of the game, too. And I think this goes underutilized when we break down showdown. And I, I hope that it, going forward, I can find some more mechanics to be able to explain this to people. But you talked about how you like the under of this game. And mm -hmm. we always talk to people about showdown where it's like build what that lineup looks like. Well, that lineup is going to leave a lot of salary on the table because you're basically seeing some type of failure for an offense. You're seeing offenses being less capable of achieving their ceilings. Now, because of Cooper Cup, how concentrated this offense can be, and I, I find it so hard to avoid him and, and not being overweight to him on every single slate that he appears on just because of his probability of finishing out even just utility optimal as opposed to just cap captain optimal. But when you're building a lineup that hits an under, that $17 being left over is not rare. When you're betting it over, when you're looking at a game shooting out, like I think Matt and I are leaning more towards, you're looking at a lot of these skill position players that are all more expensive, the success of a Jamar Chase. Because if an offense puts up 31 points or, or 34 points, it's not going to be Drew Sample that ends up being the difference maker. But in a 17-14 game where Drew Sample gets three catches for 30, that's something that can definitely be a little bit more likely. It's why we see defenses in low total games be much higher on than their opportunity to be utility optimal. It's the reason we see kickers in certain environments in shootouts or, or like such that, that they get a little bit overowned comparatively rare, but it happens even in those scenarios. So I think we got to really take into account how you see this game playing out. And because you see this undertaking place, no problem in trying to build those type of $17 or $20 left over on Yahoo. On DraftKings, same thing, four, five, six K can definitely be left on the table, even if you put Cooper Cup into your captain spot. I think that there's a number of game scripts, a number of ways that can certainly play out. Matt, I'll probably end up – Van Jefferson, I've, I've been dying on that hill, right? You know, I'm, I'm malnourished. I'm emaciated. I, I, there's, there, I'm, I'm, I'm withering away. Okay. <laughs> but at this point I have nor the energy, um, or the determination to, to get off of this hill. So I shall die on it this week and go back to Van Jefferson once more, because 
there's just value so scarce at, at every position. I'm not saying he's insanely cheap, but I think he's cheap enough to where him and, and guys like Tyler Boyd are just going to end up fitting into a lot of lineups. What are you doing with some of the lesser owned guys or the cheaper wide receivers? Yeah, I hear you with Van Jefferson. I think my favorite of this group is still Tyler Boyd, just a little more security with him. We've seen our friend Skaronic play a lot more snaps recently. And in their most recent game, it was actually a playoff high for him. But we know Van Jefferson's been battling the injury. I think with two weeks off, Van should see more of the snap share, similar to what we saw in like the wild card in the divisional round. And the skill set that Van has is much different than Boyd. So for tournaments, Van Jefferson's going to be your deep downfield speedster. Think you're Deshaun Jackson, a poor man's Deshaun Jackson for sure. But if he catches one of those long balls, that could be the avenue to you hitting a ceiling lineup because he does offer some salary relief. That touchdown is going to be very impactful. A guy like Boyd, who operates more out of the slot, I think his role is a lot more consistent, but he just doesn't have the same ceiling. We're talking about a guy who reached 70 yards five times, I believe, and only eclipsed 100 one time all year. It's going to have to come for touch, through touchdowns for Boyd, which definitely could happen. But, but for tournaments, I think Jefferson's going to be the guy I try to play a little bit more of. Eric, talk to me. Uh, lower on receivers, Jefferson, Boyd, any of these guys stand out to you? Maybe a Bennett, Skoranek? Uh, ben, <laughs> I almost said Ben. Van Jefferson is the guy that I'm going to die with too. Uh, so over the course of the regular season, the Rams played 11 personnel where three wide receivers were on the field 83% of the time. That was the largest rate in the entire NFL during the regular season. You talk about Ben Skoranek's snap share going up, but it really hasn't affected Van Jefferson being on the field. 90 and 87% of snaps the last two weeks. Everything lines up where if he gets two weeks off and he's healthy here, We've seen him be an explosive, dynamic playmaker. And I know that compared to uh, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. and a new situation Odell Beckham Jr. where he's happy and playing fantastic and has a functional quarterback, and then Cooper Cup, he's never going to look as shiny as those two guys, but he's on the field an absolute ton. Single-digit target share is just not going to continue for a guy in this offense being as pass happy as what it is. If Cincinnati is going to schematically do something to try to limit Cooper cup, that's not going to really happen, but limit Odell Beckham, perhaps there's an opportunity for Jan Van Jefferson and a number of lineups. Plus the tools really bear out that there's positive leverage to be had by rostering him. He's going to be a utility primarily only guy for me, even though his captain opto optimal is a little bit higher than what it's currently coming in 2.8% ownership right now, 3.9% captain optimal might be a decent enough path to take some long shots in, in large fields, but Van Jefferson, no doubt about it, going to be a massive utility play for me. I like it. There's really nobody else. Like Skoranek's the only third or is the only other receiver that gets any snaps for, for the Rams. I mean, that's just ugly to begin with. And then with the Bengals, you, Good luck getting anybody else other than Chase, Boyd, and Higgins. So, Matt, that naturally leads us, before we wrap this one up, to tight ends. And McVay was asked if Higby was going to be able to practice in the coming days. McVay said, I don't think so. Like, I don't think Higby plays. Uh, maybe you do, and, and you could tell me why, but, but I don't see him playing. And then CJ Usama, with the exact same injury, is uh, also day-to-day. -day. He said he plans to play, but... Who the hell knows at this point? Yeah, I, I think if they both play, it could be in a reduced role. Higby, his, he just, overall, the sentiment appears to be a little more negative around Higby. Agreed. So I, I don't think you see a full-time player in Higby, even if he is active. 
maybe it's just situational. Like you guys remember probably when Gronk first came back from his injury and he was just playing situationally. I think you could see that, but I highly doubt you see full-time Higby. The interesting part about this is Blanton was priced up. We, we don't have min-priced Blanton. So I almost think Higby being active would be a detriment to both tight ends because they're, neither of them are cheap, it's like absolute floor level cheap. And then they'd be splitting work. So like a best case scenario, I think, is Higby's actually out. And then you have a lesser known commodity in Blanton who probably plays all the snaps. Like Blanton was the only other tight end they had active in their most recent game where Higby went hurt. So they, they clearly view him as the number two tight end. And we've seen him operate in that number one tight end role, that every down role. And he actually caught a couple of big balls. So Blanton, I think, would be very intriguing there. On the Cincinnati side, I think there's a chance you see more of a split here too. It's just like Drew Sample is such a bad athlete that I don't know what he gives you. Like he's a pure blocker, no pass catching upside. Maybe he like lucks his way into a few balls, but I think it would probably be like an anomaly performance if he catches the touchdown or even more than a few balls. Do you think they'll be keeping him in the block more too against this defensive line? I think that is something you could see too. That's actually a really good point. I wasn't going to say that, but... I, I think that's probably something that they do a lot. I mean, what a shitty position, Eric. And it's still uncertain coming into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think, well, if, if you have no Higby, I think Blanton becomes the guy just by default because of the offense he's in. They're four and a half point favorites. There's an opportunity where they only have one tight end on the field. There won't be anybody else really there. I feel good about Blanton. I, I think he would probably be the priority for me at their current levels of ownership. Yeah, Uzoma, I don't really know what we're looking at for him. You know, again, they're considering him day to day. It is just a gross spot. However, we've seen tight, tight ends and showdown just annihilate slate after slate after slate. And it's, it's not something that you really want to be factoring in too much on a one game slate, but you definitely want to find the guys that are active that are healthy here. As you said, Sample might be out there quite a bit more to block. I think that that's an, a decent enough narrative where, you know, finding two or three catches, that's really all you can hope for with a guy like Drew Sample. That he's going to be out there and, and be somewhat functional. We did see two targets for him uh, against Kansas City there in that spot in, in reserve. But I, it's not enthusiastic. I'm not sitting here beating the drum for any of these guys. These are two teams that play three wide receivers quite a bit. I think we need to be focused on those guys in, primary, in the primary amount of our builds. All right. I have one more question for you guys before we go, and we'll wrap it up with that. But first, let's induct a couple of people into the Hall of Fame. And hit that thumbs up, too. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the channel. Appreciate all of you for doing it. If you forgot, still plenty of time to make that happen. Anyway, go to awesome.com slash avatar. Download it. Use it at Yahoo, DraftKings, Fanda, wherever it is. Finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more. Tweet us at awesome HOF and get a free month of awesome plus platinum. Even if you don't qualify for the free month, but you're proud of the win, hit us up anyway. Awesome HOF. We take uh, we take all people that are, are are looking to get their wins showcased. No problem putting you up there as long as it's you know decent enough, like this one. Uh, Anderson, A. Anderson, and uh, Palacurus, first and second with the Awesome Avatar in the 400k fadeaway yesterday. 100K, 28K. I mean, you just love to see that. Congrats to both of you guys. Our boy T.O. Deck, we had him up here yesterday, but $13,000 win. First out of 8,400. Brian Train, that's our boy, always in chat hanging out. Second place in the NBA fadeaway, $200 there. And then you've got uh, Cue the Music, 
Snot Knocker 22, first place in the $400 Tuesday NBA Dime. Thanks for helping me take down the small tourney. I watch you all daily on YouTube and love the stream. Thanks again, guys. Uh, Brandon from Buffalo. No way. He hit. Wait, hold on a second. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. I thought that was a, uh, I thought that was a, what? It's 14 leg parlay. Nevertheless, six and, and eight legs. Good stuff. Laddering the, uh, oh no, I thought he was laddering Gary Trent threes, but he wasn't. Just kind of sprayed everywhere and, and put up the numbers. Good stuff there. And then, uh, yeah, check out Odd Shopper, of course. Green Beam, thanks to Ryan and Odd Shopper. Here's one. Uh, 20, <laughs> look at those odds, man. It was a 10 leg parlay. So we're doing the DFS thing. We're doing the betting thing. We got the Super Bowl coming up. Congrats to all of you. Awesomeo.com slash avatar. Join the team. Represent with us and get that big win. When you do, hit us up at AwesomeOHOF. Get the free month. Get inducted. If you have already have been, well, we'll welcome you back again. All right, Matt, let's do it. Are you captaining any defenses or kickers this week? Yeah, I will be doing it a little bit, and that's building for a very specific – definitely not kickers. I want to get that out first and foremost. But defenses, I think you definitely can take some of these stands. That's going to be a low scoring game environment. And I don't think this is the most likely outcome. But if you're building multiple lineups, which I will be, I think there are situations where you can look at the defenses. The obvious one is a low scoring game environment where the pressure from the Rams really gets after Joe Burrow. There are some turnovers and maybe a defensive score. And again, the Rams don't need to pitch a, a shutout necessarily for this to hit. They have a defensive score, and then it's just slightly below the total. Where they are in terms of salary could be enough that it just allows you to jam so many other studs that it works out. So in this particular slate, because there's no value and we have some mismatches, I will be doing some of this. Okay. I'll also be taking the Samaj P. Ryan under five and a half rushing yards. Not a lot of yards. I get it. I don't think the guy sees a single carry, though, and I love betting under on rushing props for backups in big games like this. Odd shopper, 70% expected win rate. FanDuel is the best bet because we just curate everything for you and just find the best bet so you don't have to do anything. Figured I'd throw that out there. You got the Super Bowl coming up. If people aren't using Odd Shopper, I don't know what they're doing. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's a print fest. It has an opportunity to help you. It's all of Osmo's projections put onto one easy-to-look uh, spot. I, I think that... You know, as much as I love Sonny Michelle, we're looking at an 86% win percentage. If you want to be able to get some exposure now, because he's so cheap in DFS, I think there's paths to be able to kind of get both of it, it, it get exposure to both of them. Daryl Henderson back, maybe that takes away a carry or two from Sonny Michelle as well. Under 20 and a half there, uh, minus 130, it looks like is the prevailing number at a number of books. 86% win percentage. It's hard to find something that that uh, stands out that much in our tools. So I think that that's probably a good way to maybe hedge a little bit of your DFS exposure. Plus, if he ends up catching a football for 20 yards and a touchdown, not exactly the worst way to kind of parlay, get a get a little bit of a double dip in that scenario. Final score. This is the, this is the last one we're doing together this year, fellas. So it's been a lot of fun. And again, appreciate all you for hanging out with us every single Wednesday. For This is like, what, 22 straight weeks we've done this? It's good stuff. Final score prediction, Eric. What do you got? I'll go 31 28 Rams, Matt 27 24 Cincinnati. Oh, you're going with the dog outright. All right. I think yesterday I said 27 17 Rams, so I'll stick with that. Let me go under here, Eric. You're going over, Matt. Going over. 
You're going, what'd you say, Matt? What was your score? 28, 20, 27, 24. So 51 total slightly. All over. right. You're going over as well. Good stuff. Appreciate you guys. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, Eric at Eric link with me at Lafayette underscore D and uh, Hey, until next season, it's been the ownership and top stack show. We'll be back with you with more NFL content tomorrow, Friday, all of the days leading up to uh three and a half hour live before lock baby. So stick with us. And of course, be there tonight for the PGA live before lock show, NBA deeper dive, NBA live before lock. We still got a lot of stuff going on. NHL strategy show, you name it, all of it right here on the awesome DFS channel. Peace.